What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Show. I have a very special guest on today. I have Jason Bay. So I'm really excited about Jason being on because he's going to debunk some myths that are out there about the, uh, the outbound engine for growth. And that could be email. That could be multi-channel. He's an absolute wizard of it, wizard at it. And you know, just to give you a little backdrop on Jason, he's the Chief Prospecting Officer at Blissful Prospecting. And he helps reps and sales team land big meetings with prospects uh, and basically help them feel confident making cold calls. He's got big companies like Zoom, CBRE, Databricks, Bolton & Company, Fortinet, and many more. And sales is the only adult job he's ever had. I love that, man. That's that's a sweet, sweet way to summarize it. So anyways, Jason, welcome. Happy to have you on, man. Happy to have you on the show. I'm excited, dude. We've talked, uh, I think, a couple times now and had some really good conversations. And we've seen each other out and about in the... Uh, the internets. So it's, uh, it's good to be able to jam together on some content, man. Yeah, dude, like the Google sphere or the, the social sphere. Um, yeah. it's, it's good to meet people in, in real life and then know that uh, they're, they're even better than they expected. So um, so anyways, man, so why don't you give us your superhero origin story? Because a lot of folks would just love to hear your background, how you got to be yeah. to where you're at, um, your adult job uh, as well, being yeah. in sales. So um, anyways, we'd love, love to have you walk through that, man. Yeah. I mean, like most salespeople, I got into sales on accident. So I wanted to be a forensic scientist. So senior year of high school, I even had one of those like mentors and a mentor program that was like looking into all of this stuff. And I lived in a town called Brookings, Oregon is 6,500 people, pretty remote in no Oregon. And uh, the closest forensic scientist uh, to me was, you know, three hours away. So I didn't even get to shadow or talk to anyone in high school that actually did the job. And I did that in college and got to shadow. And I'm like, well, these people sit in a lab all day. That's I'm introverted, but that's that's a little introverted, you know, for me. And someone came to my classroom, uh, one of my best friends now, uh, a guy named Barry, and talked about this company called College Works Painting. And it was, hey, run a house painting business, make some money over the summer for school, make 10,000 bucks. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Sign me up. And I didn't realize that as we were getting started that I'd be going door to door. You know, so it wasn't just running a house painting business. It's, hey, let's market and get leads. Let's learn how to do sales. Sales I'd never really done before. I didn't really, even really know what it was. I thought that you, if you're good at talking, you're good at sales kind of thing, right? I didn't know a lot of people in sales Mm-hmm. Yeah, the average paint jobs, you know, it's three to $8,000. So it's, it's not a small transaction size for the people that you're selling to. And I did really well. So I sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of paint jobs in a summer and made like 27 grand for school. So I was like, dude, I love sales. Right. And then my biggest learning curve in my sales journey, actually. So that was in 2008 was the next year I came back as a sales manager was teaching other people how to do sales. That was tough for me at first because the things that you do naturally and that you inherently do are the usually the things that you skip out on. You know, I never really had much of a learning curve when it came to selling, prospecting, you know, that kind of thing. So that that was a little rough for me. But yeah, I spent some time with uh, that company about six, seven years. 
I started an outbound call center for them. That's how I got into the inside sales game. And then since 2013, 2014, I've been working with and consulting with companies to help them with you know, their marketing and lead gen and more specifically with Blissful Prospecting now, uh, helping people land that first meeting. <laughs> you know, what do we say in our emails? How many times do we do it? How do we be more confident on the phone, handle objections? And how do we get, you know, really good qualified meetings by reaching out to people proactively instead of waiting for everything to come to us? Okay. And, and I love that, man. That's, I love the character building job that you had. And I, by the way, I don't know what, what's going on today. I don't know if the, uh, the, uh, the stream yard gods are, are spitting on me right now, but they, I cut out for a little bit, but I got mostly what you said, so I hope you didn't get cut out in terms of the uh, broadcast as well. But, um, but yeah, man, the character building job, door to door, paint, um, and then you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a blessing in the world that you didn't end up being in the forensic area either, because like I couldn't see you, you sitting <laughs> in a lab all the time either. You seem definitely like way too extroverted for that. Um, so uh, awesome, man. We'll love to hear a little bit deeper about. You know, kind of what you've done. You've been, I know you've been working in the, the corporate space since 2013, 2014. And so um, walk us through, you know, I guess like your overall philosophy, just on outbound as a whole, a lot of people and define it because a lot of people have different viewpoints on what exactly outbound is, but why don't you define it? Yeah. So I think that there's this, if you kind of look at the problem, um, so if you imagine a circle here and this is your target market, uh, a lot of our target market these days is getting very, very hard to get a hold of, right? People are getting tons of emails, they're getting tons of calls, there's all kinds of ads, just the media and the amount of attention uh, that people are looking for from your target market, it makes it extremely hard to get meetings right now. And I think that people are kind of attacking this problem in one of two ways, right? In one camp, you have the, we're industry agnostic. We're going to mass blast. I'm going to email and call as many people as I can. I'm going to use auto. I'm going to churn through all of this data. And although the outreach volume is high, usually the meeting quantity is low. The quality of the meetings are not great. And there's usually a lot of rejection when you do it that way. When you cold call people and you don't know anything about them and you have not done your research, those are not very pleasant cold calls. Mm -hmm. And then in one camp, on the other side, you have this, we're going to customize everything. And this target market here, they pick each individual and they customize everything for that individual. And that sounds really great in theory, right? I'm going to do this quality approach. That takes a lot of time though, more time than is necessary. So you're going to get a higher response rate, but the volume of meetings is not quite going to be there. Very mm -hmm. limited rejection though. And where we need to find a balance between the two is we need to do this quality first approach not a quality only. There needs to be quality and quantity. And quality first is how do I, in this target market, instead of picking out an individual, I pick out a subset of those individuals. Okay. Maybe what they have in common is they're a similar job title working in a similar industry with a, uh, a common use case or a common set of technology that they're using, whatever it might be, so that I can templatize you know, three quarters of the approach because I'm reaching out to people like Ryan who have similar problems to Ryan, running similar businesses in similar roles. And I know that you're probably all working somewhat on similar things. And then I customize that last little bit. And this is the balance between the two, where you're gonna optimize the volume, people are gonna feel like it's for them, and you're gonna get quality meetings that way. So outbound is that target market, 
I'm going to approach this target market. I'm going to put things in front of them, emails, phone calls, et cetera, instead of putting things in front of them and then waiting for them to come to me. Okay. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, by the way. If a company doesn't have a good inbound engine, I don't even recommend that you do outbound, actually. So you have to have really good content and know how to get your people to come do something without a salesperson calling them. You need to figure that part out first. And then the outbound becomes, how do I take all this great content and thought leadership that we're already creating, and how do I proactively put it in front of people that won't organically come to me? Okay. I like that. So how do you... Okay, so in terms of great content, this is uh, this is replicated massively, and I think because it's so easy for people to create content now that they are um, they're just putting content out in bulk, and it sucks. <laughs> you know, like I like I even I even I just reset my content this week because I'm like, hey, this isn't up to par on where I want it to be, so I'm resetting it, and I'm I didn't post a single thing on LinkedIn this week. Um, by design, because I want to reset it, right? Because I'm just like, hey, I want to have a higher level of quality for that. So what do you define good content as? And, and what do you think are, um, you know, the, the market expectations now for content since you say that's the big domino, right? For the sweet spot. Yeah, the expectation right now is that I'm going to get stuff for free and not have to give you an email address for it. So I think that's the, the first uh, really big problem is that if you share a white paper with someone or a case study, and I'm cold emailing you and I say, Ryan, check out this cool white paper and you have to download it. It's just asking way too much of that person. They don't know who you are. There's no, they, they didn't willingly come to that landing page. Mm-hmm. So we need to think about how can we have a one-to-one conversation with someone? And when you have one-to-one conversations, you share things with people. You don't make them then go download something, right? So there needs to be this frictionless sharing. And then in terms of the what, you got to think about what the person's working on in their priorities. This is the cheat code with outbound. Mm-hmm. The cheat code, if there was one, and it's not like a video game where I can Google the cheat code and start using it. The cheat code has actually a lot of work to set up. But the cheat code is if I can know what people like you are focused on and your priorities, mm-hmm. I can put content in front of you that's going to align with those things. So I'll give you an example. So I'm working with a guy, uh, Ethan. He's one of our prospecting boot camps right now. And he works for a company that has this really good solution for this problem that marketing teams have at really large insurance companies. And it's, hey, if we have thousands of brokers out there, how do I control the content that they're putting into their proposals and through mm-hmm. the sales process? Because if they put the wrong things in there, that's, that's a liability for us. So what he knows, because he's asked, and if you don't know this, this is what you should be asking all of your prospects at the very beginning of sales calls. This is the question he asks says, hey, Ryan, hey, before we get started, I know you're probably working on 100 different things, but just so I can keep our conversation focused and valuable for you, what are the top two things that you're working on right now? What are your top two priorities? And then people are pretty willingly share. And you know what they don't say? Growing my company. They don't say that. They'd be like, well, hey, we're trying to grow our company right now. And one of the big things that gets in the, so if it's these marketers, you know, we're trying to get more leads for our salespeople and also trying to give them information so that they can close more deals. And one of the problems I have and they're thinking about is like the risk involved with them sharing content they're not supposed to. Mm. So I'm focused on reducing risk. So I can't just say, hey, Ryan, I talk to people like you and you're focused on reducing risk. I got to be super specific. Mm-hmm. So back to your thing with content, if I understand that the priority is how do I control the content that my brokers are sharing? 
how do I um, how do I control the experience that my prospects have when I'm selling to them and it's personal delivering a personalized experience at scale? Right, that's a that's the second priority that these VPs tell them. I can create content around those things. So great content because the salesperson is probably not creating the content from a marketing end of things. It's having those conversations with your salespeople and asking them, what are your priorities of the prospects you're speaking to right now? What are the problems? What are you running up against? And that's content for top of funnel, right? That's going to help you get a meeting. On the sales end of things, you got to think about how you can curate content for your prospects. I can't just say, hey, here's a 40-page white paper on, you know, how to generate more leads. No one's going to look at that. Like, they're just not going to look at that. So if I could say, hey, we put together this really good white paper, and what we did is we interviewed a bunch of your peers, a bunch of marketers and insurance, and maybe you gather this information as a rep and you put it onto a Google Doc. Here's all the content that we made specifically for insurance marketing leaders. And we interviewed a bunch of your peers and we asked them, what's working well for them right now? What are they worried about? And I'd love to share it with you. That's really good content, right? It's, I want to know that this is based on a priority that I'm working on. I want to know that uh, it's credible so that my peers are also focused on this. And I want to know that you took the time to actually curate what you think would be helpful for me because I don't have a lot of time to sift through this. So that's to me from a sales standpoint, like what good content is. I love that, man. I, I love how you, you mount it to the, the sales and then, you know, like the top of funnel content. I think that's, that's brilliant, man. I think that's dead on too, because a lot of people ignore that. And it's funny that, not funny, but it, I think it's sharp that you're doing that now because like literally when I'm, when I'm helping folks with like enterprise sales and selling hundred thousand, two hundred million dollar deals, you name it, right? One of the big things that I haven't focused on are the top two priorities for that individual person. So it's basically like building off of what you're already talking about with like the first person you talk to, but then it's spreading that out across the entire org. So then you almost have like a map of what everybody's focused on and their biggest priorities. So I love that. I think that's awesome. And if you ask enough people of your personas, your job titles, what their priorities for in these sales calls, do that a dozen times and you're going to find patterns. You're going to find very, very clear patterns in what a VP of sales in whatever XYZ industry is focused on right now. Mm-hmm. Very clear patterns. And then when you go to reach out to them, whether through phone or email, it's, hey, Ryan, I've been talking to a lot of you know VPs of marketing like you. And one thing I keep hearing is that their top two priorities are these two things. I'm really curious which one of these is a bigger priority for you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm immediately engaging you about something that you will likely care about. And then I can talk about problems and how we can help and all that other stuff. But I have to provide that context. The analogy I would use is your prospect is on a path right now and it, and it goes up and down, but they're on that treadmill, right? They're running, right? And most people approach it like this. Well, actually let's use, if you were running on a trail, their prospect is running this way towards them and they're running at them and they try to catch them at the right time and talk to them like this as they're passing and try to have a conversation with them. You actually need to get going in the same direction and the same pace as your prospect. You need to get running alongside of them. The way that you can do that is by getting in front of them with something that they will care about. And that's their priorities, right? So if you can guesstimate, and by guesstimate, what I mean by that is that uh, you're making a hypothesis, a very educated guess 
on what their priority is. And then you can do research to back that up, right? Then you can do, uh, you know, if it's enterprise sales, like a lot of the work you do, you're probably selling to publicly traded companies. Right. So maybe they're looking at quarterly reports. Uh, there's some really good tools out there for quarterly reports that'll transcribe everything. And you can keyword search, you know, through this stuff to see what people are focused on. And then it becomes, hey, Ryan, people like you that I talk to are typically focused on one of two things. And I was actually reading one of your quarterly reports, and it sounds like last quarter uh, you had a problem in one of these areas. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can have a really intelligent conversation around something that they're going to care about. Yeah, I love that, man. I mean, I think that's um, that's that's fantastic. What, what tools you, you mentioned? There's great tools around that. Would you recommend to folks if they're curious in terms of the uh, financials? Seeking Alpha is a really good tool to get started with. I mean, there's a free version that, I mean, I work with a company that sells to uh, retail and e-commerce B2C brands, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are publicly traded. We literally put together campaigns where you open up their company and it's like, you just do a keyword search for digital or e-commerce or customer experience and all kinds of goodies pop up. Their growth, where they're putting their focus. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. I love Seeking Alpha. I think it's Cindioso or Cin- yeah, Cindioso is another tool that you can check out. But Seeking Alpha is a really good place to start. That's the awesome. Man. Got a ton of stuff. Okay, so let, let's keep rolling around. And I, I love your philosophy. Even though we chatted for earlier, I didn't I didn't know uh, we were this aligned when it comes to the, the whole entire sales process. It's pretty cool. So so let's take it to the next step, man. So all right, so you 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 understand you got great content right for top of funnel content. You know what the top two priorities are for those folks. So you're relevant, right? You're relevant to at scale for that, that niche that you're targeting. Um, but you can still scale. So then what's the next steps then take us through like your, so that's the content is the start of it, but then walk us through your, your principles of it. And then let's get down to the strategy and the tactics. So folks have something tangible that they can walk away from walk away. Yeah. With. So if we, yeah. So if we kind of zoom out a little bit, there's a three part framework. It's identify, engage, convert. Mm-hmm. So identify is that's your ideal client profiles, your personas and the empathy piece. So this is, I not only know what companies are a good fit and the people I need to reach out to, but I actually understand the, the path of these people the, I call it the prospect path. Mm-hmm. So that's priorities, problems, and then desired future state and undesired future state. So what are they trying to, what do they aspire to? What are they trying to avoid? And in their current state, what is, what are the problems they're having and what are they working on? Once you have those pieces, now we can focus on this engage bucket, which is your messaging. So that comprises of your email, your phone, and your sequencing. And then there's more advanced stuff in there where you can throw around social and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if we kind of look at this in terms of your sequence, you really need a good multi-touch uh, strategy, multi-touch, multi-channel. So the way you want to think about sequencing, I have a framework that's called KISS. Keep it simple sequencing. <laughs> so the reason why I call it that is that most people really overthink this part. Mm-hmm. They want to know what's what's the math equation that's going to work to get a hold of these people. And you know what? You don't you don't need that. You just need a good tool that'll help you execute it and measure it, and then you adjust based on that. But the weekly touch pattern is really simple. Looks like this. You're going to run this pattern for three weeks. And the reason for this is a lot of the data shows that it's 10, 12 plus touches before you will get a hold of the majority of the people that you're reaching out to. Mm-hmm. So you want to think of what you're doing in outbound as like a highly personalized marketing campaign is essentially what you're doing. You're creating impressions. So day one of your sequence, you're going to use what's called a triple touch. Tony Hughes calls this combo prospecting. 
Uh, just all kinds of different stuff that people call it, right? But the principle is this. You're going to email, call, and then send a LinkedIn connection request or email, call, voicemail. You're going to do all three of those things at the same time. So I'm going to email you and uh, I could do email first or call first. So I could call and say, if I get a voicemail, I'm going to about to send you an email and the subject line is XYZ, which I like voicemail from Jason Bay or hi, Ryan just left a voicemail, anything like that. The message in that email is going to be focused around priority number one. So you're not going to talk about all the different things you can do. You're only going to talk about that one priority. You're going to point the phone to the email, and then you're going to send a LinkedIn connection request or visit their LinkedIn profile, like comment on something, if they're even present on LinkedIn, which if you're not selling to people in the tech space or that are a salesperson or marketer, honestly, I just recommend staying away from LinkedIn altogether. I think it's a waste of time for most folks that aren't prospecting in tech. Really? You're yeah. saying, Wow. Okay. You waste way too much time on LinkedIn. So if your audience is not hanging out on LinkedIn. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look at LinkedIn profiles and there's no picture on the LinkedIn profile, why <laughs> are you spending so much time there? Okay. Send them a connection request and they'll get an email. But if they check their LinkedIn profile once every week or once every other week, don't spend so much time there. Phone and email is really where it's at, especially phone. So that's day one. You do the triple touch day two of the sequence, or I guess uh, the second set of touches, you do two business days apart. So you do a Tuesday and then like a Thursday. Mm -hmm. You just do call and email. And your email is going to be a reply to the first one that says any thoughts. That's it. You're going to use these short bump emails that don't say, did you get my last email? You're just going to do any thoughts. And you're going to call. You follow that same pattern three weeks in a row. Week number two is going to be focused on priority number two. Week number three is going to be focused on priority number three. And that's your basic touch pattern. And we can get into more depth, Brian, if you want around what goes in the email, how to cold call, that sort of stuff. But that's essentially the, the outline of the, the Yeah, Yeah, keep rolling with it, man. I mean, it's looking like just for, for, for you, the listener, I mean, when, when, we, when you get to catch the audio, this is going to be sharp. However, it looks like we're, we're leveraging uh, basically on my end. 80s style dial-up or 90s style dial-up from AOL for for my pictures. <laughs> uh, I look blurry. I try to mess with my camera a couple times. It's not working. So you're just gonna have to to deal with the uh, the face made for radio right now on my side. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go with that. So yeah, Jason, drop a little bit deeper, man. You're, I, I love what you're going down, and I, I think it you're doing a great job. So so keep going. Let's let's talk a little bit more about um, just keep going down the same path, man. Get a little more detail. Yeah. So now that we have a contact strategy, there's a couple of things that we want to think about. So most people I'm assuming that are listening to this are probably doing full cycle sales. Mm -hmm. You're probably doing sales, prospecting, and maybe depending on the company, you might be even doing a little bit of account management if you're doing something that's really heavy on the enterprise side. So you got a lot of stuff going on. So bottom line is that uh, what you need to think about is segmentation. So these people that I'm going to reach out to when I start sequencing, uh, the principle here is don't treat prospects equally. Don't spend the same amount of time going after a VPC level person as you do a manager, unless you figure out that bottoms up is the way to go. Don't spend as much time. So you need to kind of tear out what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So maybe you do an A, B and a C kind of thing. And your A's are the people that you run that contact strategy on. I just talked about five touches per week, 15 touches over three weeks. It's really heavy email phone. I'm customizing everything that I'm sending. And I'm gonna spend a lot of effort on those people. Maybe your, uh, your B tier, your B priorities 
are people that, you know what, these aren't necessarily decision makers or, or champions, but if I got a meeting with them, that would be a foot in the door with this mm-hmm. company. And maybe the only phone work that you do is when people open up emails. So you're in that same contact strategy, but the phone calls in your uh, sequencing platform or whatever you're using for sales engagement, maybe you'll only call people that are actually opening up the emails. So that cuts the amount of calls you got to do probably in half. And then your C's, maybe these are users of your product. So for me, this might be sales reps. I talk to a lot of sales reps actually through LinkedIn and I just message them. Hey, I'm going to reach out to you guys about this. I'm really curious. What kind of prospecting are you doing? You're running any problems right now? And a lot of them will share it with me, but I'm going to only send them LinkedIn messages or emails. I'm not going to call these people because calling takes up the most amount of time of anything that you could possibly mm-hmm. do. So you need to have a strategy where you tier and you don't treat prospects equally, especially if maybe you only got an hour or two a day to dedicate to prospecting. Make sure the phone time is on the people that you really want meetings with. Okay. I, I think that's great, man. I really like, I love the tiered strategy. So what are the outcome and results that if someone deployed this, I mean, like, what do you see typically? Yeah, I mean, it, and stuff like that. Yeah, it totally depends on the deal size and how transactional what you're selling is. So let's say you're selling something that's on the $10,000, $20,000, you know, annual contract value, you know, kind of thing. You're probably going to be able to get 10, 15% of these people if you do it well uh, to respond and maybe half of those to convert into a meeting. Okay. On the enterprise side, on the very other drastic end of this, you might be doing everything that's really highly customized because you're only working five accounts maybe at a time. Something like that, you might have a, you know, uh, two or three out of those five accounts in a month you might break into using something like this. You're going to have a much higher success strategy or success uh, because it's fewer people, higher research, much higher quality. And I'm reaching out to 15 people at the account, right? I'm bound to get a meeting with a couple of those people or one of those people. And then sort of everywhere in between. So what I would think about is if you're not doing a lot of outbound, how can you supplement what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And if you could, you know, if you could add an extra meeting or two to your calendar a week, what does that do for your pipeline? On, on the enterprise side, if you were able to get four extra good quality meetings a month, that's probably one deal. That's a six figure plus deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that type of thing, it, it, the results will vary depending on what you're selling. Well, let's say you're in between that, right? You don't, you're, you're a full, full cycle wrap and you're selling enterprise, right? So deal sizes that are 40K and above, right? Like that could be, eh, we don't have to go high, high end, but let's say 40K to 200K. You know, what would you, how much time would they need to spend, right? Would you need to have, like if you're a CEO, how much time would you need to have someone on your team spend or kind of allocate? And then what kind of output could you expect for that kind of range? And I know it's, it's hard to give an exact, but just trying to give people a ballpark idea of that. Yeah. So if you're able to, so an hour a day is a really good place to start. Everyone's got an hour in a day. If you, if you work on the productivity pieces, like make it the very first thing that you do at the beginning of the day. In that hour, in that five hours per week, if you spent time on Monday just doing your research, you get everything that you need together to reach out to at least two or three companies per day. Mm-hmm. So you do the math on that. You're reaching out to two or three companies uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, if you're reaching out to 10 or 12 companies and two people at each of those companies, you're probably going to get some meetings, right? You're probably, you could get a meeting per day, you know, in that kind of range if you're doing something like that. And depending on your average deal size and your closing rates, you could do the math. 
you mm-hmm. know, from there. But a, a meeting per day on the on the mid market range of a uh, type of deal size is is pretty common. Okay, and what, like in so what you're saying is that dollar amounts I said is mid market. You think or is that what you classify as mid market? Well, that deal size, I mean, mid-market and enterprise, uh, everyone's got a different definition of it, but it really has to do with more who, with who you're selling to mm-hmm. um, than, than the deal size. Typically, like with mid-market deals, those are the deals I see around 40K to 100K kind of thing. 100K plus is typically more of an enterprise thing, but there's lots of people that sell 50K deals you know, to enterprise. So depends on how you want to classify it. Right? Yeah, no, that's true, man. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's a good point. So you're saying like it's reasonable, let's say the 40K to 100K, that if someone spends an hour a day, they could get an appointment a day or appointment a week or what would you? You could absolutely get an appointment uh, per day. Okay. If you're, if, you're, if you're doing the actual outreach Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you could, you could definitely get an appointment per day. Okay. That, that, yeah. I think that makes sense. That's great. Cause, and, and like, let me ask you this. And well, what's the specific example you know, like a, a story that, cause I, I know you work with lots of different folks in this space. And, mm-hmm. and so give me a, like a before and after, um, outcome of, of when somebody implemented this, like what was the end result like for them and for their team? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's a bunch, I, I shared one with Ethan early. That was an individual with the cold calling stuff that we talked about. It was making this shift from talking about problems that people have to starting with their priorities. And he went from seven and a half percent conversion rate of cold call connects to a meeting to around 30%. So three out of every 10 versus seven out of every hundred people you know, that he's talking to landing a meeting with. Um, so that, that was a pretty big, uh, drastic change. Um, another company I worked with, so they sell consulting, uh, solutions that focus on negotiating on behalf of their clients around waste, electricity, you know, utilities, that sort of stuff. So they'll work with these large restaurant groups, let's say, for example, that don't really have the ability to negotiate themselves with their waste bills. And they just get overcharged tens of thousands of dollars a quarter, just paying extra for something they don't even know that they're paying extra for. Uh, we actually 3x the, the output of their meetings. That's not the case in, in, in uh, every case that I work with. Um, but just implementing a let's not talk about us. So this is messaging. Let's go from me-centric to you-centric. Instead of talking about who we are and what we do and how awesome we are, what if we just said, hey, when I talk to people like you, your priorities are typically this. And I didn't. I don't know if you know, a lot of companies, and it's not your fault, get overcharged on this by XYZ amount. And I'd love to share with you how we're working with other companies like yours and making sure that they don't get overcharged on this right, and taking advantage of kind of thing. Right. So we like three X the output of their meetings. What is more typical is probably 20, 30% bump um, with the companies that I work with. So it's how do you, again, go from mass blast to quality first? And then how do we go from me centric to you centric? Those are really the two big shifts. That's bigger than phone, email, all that other stuff. It's just the message. How do we change from we're going to talk about you first? before we talk about us and people don't care what we do. They care more about how it aligns with their priorities. You're never going to change a prospect's priorities. Like you're not going to reach out to them, challenge your sales style and be like, Ryan, I know you're probably working on this, but you need to work on this. No one has ever accomplished that with an exact, like just not how it works. Like they already know what they need to work on. You might have a different angle on how they should approach it, 
but you're not going to change their priorities. So you need to find a way to align with their priorities. So yeah, results, results vary and it depends on, you know, type of company, deal size, like all that other stuff. But yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, that was perfect, man. You summarized it, put a bow on it. So we're just up on time. So where can people find you? How can they learn more about you? And then uh, we'll wrap things up, man. Well, for those of you that are watching on uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a really good place. So uh, uh, just type in Jason Bay on, on LinkedIn. I post daily content on outbound prospecting there. Uh, Blissful prospecting is probably the best place. So if you're watching this and you're like, hey, I just want the free stuff for now, um, go to our website, the resources page. we got a podcast. I post daily on LinkedIn. There's tons of guides, all that other stuff. And uh, if you're looking to help kind of shortcut uh, the path to success and get some help and get some feedback from me, we do boot camps for individuals. And then we also do uh, an accelerator program for companies. So if you're looking for help either for your team or as an individual and want to get feedback and a process or walking through step-by-step step of how to do it, that's usually the quickest way to get more meetings. If you want something like that, reach out to me at blissfulprospecting.com. Awesome, man. Well, I think you did a great job. You dropped tons of bombs in a good way, knowledge bombs, if you will, or whatever, nuggets, whatever the hell you want to call it. But uh, yeah, lots of good stuff, man. Really actionable and, and great advice that people can implement immediately. So it was a pleasure having you on and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I want to ask you is if you really, truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career-changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.